0: Good morning, Foundation Church. Good to see everybody here this Sunday morning. Um, Everybody give me a real big whoop. Hey, all right. We're there. We're there. Hey, um couple of announcements for you real quick before we get going um today next week is mother's day we're going to be celebrating all the ladies of fc that are 18 and over and so we want to make sure you don't miss out so moms and ladies we will have two photo booths here husbands just suck it up and take the picture um you're welcome ladies already working on them um But we'll have two photo booths here, as well as cupcakes for all the ladies, Um, cupcakes for the ladies. Um, But we want to make sure you don't miss out, which will be happening next Sunday. And also, we will be starting a new series called The Spirit-Led Life happening next Sunday, which is going to be an incredible series that we're talking about, kind of the basis of it. The Bible says this in Acts In him we live and move and have our being, or we exist. And are we really living that out? Are we living? Are we moving? Are we existing in him? Paul talked about it all the time, about letting your spirit-led nature win over your old sinful nature. Well, how do you do that? How's that fleshed out? So we're going to talk about what does it look like to have a spirit-led nature. Life, and I promise you, it's gonna help you in your walk with the Lord. Um, also, before we get going into the message today, I wanna to talk about this brown box right here. Most of us probably have no idea what this brown box is about. And that is a problem because here at Foundation Church, we want to be saved people who are serving people. And this brown box represents an awesome ministry that is happening here at Foundation Church that we want to make more visible, more active, and bigger. This box is with Project Hunger. And what Project Hunger is, is this food has about enough food in it for a week. And we want to make Jesus known to the ends of the earth. We want to have a heart for missions? Absolutely. But what tends to happen in churches is that we become missions oriented, but we forget the people in our own front yard or our own backyard. And we are not going to be that church foundations. We know that there are some needs right here around the church. There are some people that maybe they've just fallen on hard times or they can't get a job to get food. And there are some people that are hungry right in this neighborhood. We want to be the church that meets them right where they are. Here's what I tell you, is that this box has opened the opportunity for several people who received this box to start coming to church. And they don't just come to Foundations Church, all of a sudden they've raised their hand for salvation, they've gotten baptized, they've gotten involved in ministry, and they're starting to serve other people. Can I tell you, all that happened from somebody being willing to go and knock on a door and say, man, we're here just to bring you some food, and is there anything we can pray with you about, and you're just doing it over and over and over about every other week. If you would like to get involved in this ministry, it's called Project Hunger. You can go to our Connect Center when you walk into the lobby, hang a left. It's the bright green room and there's some people in there that will get you signed up on our computers or you can do it on our website. But we want to be a church that we're not just a mission around the world. We're a mission right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That we're reaching people for His glory. Because one thing I truly believe is that God has called us to those who are in need. And this is a way we can be that church for people right where their felt need is and just lead them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's amazing when we just start loving people, how people start changing. If we're not worried about them being all cleaned up and all all together, but we just start loving them where they are, there's a change that happens. So if you want to get involved in this, we would love, love, love to have you involved. If you need food and you're at a place where you're just, man, I'm at a place where we just hit a hard time and man, this would really help us out. Please go to our Connect Center and we will get you signed up to receive the box. Lift with your legs, not your back. Um, So Today we are continuing our series "Elephant in the Room." <laughs> Excuse me. And today we are going to talk about politics. Bum bum bum. Woo! No, you're so excited. I think there's a reason. There's less people here this week than there was last week, or the week before, the week before that. Um, but uh, before we go any further, let me let me do this. I failed to do this in set first service, but college graduation was this week for TU and ORU. And I know we have some grad students that are here now. You are a graduate of one of these colleges, and we just want to say a huge congrats to you. What an awesome accomplishment. Um, And we're just praying for you graduates, because we know it's exciting and scary at the same time. And we've all been there, or some of us are kind of going that route in that place. Um, But we're just praying for you, and we don't want you to feel like, oh, I've graduated. Now, there's no place for me. They've just forgotten about me. You're in our prayers and our thoughts. Um, today, I want to talk to you about elephants, donkeys, and the wall. Elephants, Donkeys and the wall, and and here's the truth. I know we're talking about politics today. I know that this is going to be a little tense, um, but I want everybody to breathe. Okay, just just keep breathing with me. Let's relax. I still think, even when talking about politics, you can have fun and lives can be changed, um, and that our hearts, hopefully, and our attitudes in this area can be changed. Now, definition of elephant in the room out of the Urban Dictionary, which I said before, you need to be very careful when referencing the Urban Dictionary. But it says this. Elephant in the room. A very large issue that, is, that everyone is acutely aware of but nobody wants to talk about. Perhaps a sore spot. Perhaps, Perhaps politically incorrect. Or perhaps... A political hot potato. It's something that no one wants to touch with a 10-foot pole. Well, we're going to grab that hot potato today. We're going to smash it and make it into mashed potatoes. Um, And so um, we're going to be talking about politics, but before we get going in there, sometimes we we come out of an election year, and I love the Olympics. I love the Olympics. I love what Summer Olympics are my most favorite, followed by the Winter Olympics, because there's only two, Um, but I like the Summer Olympics the best, and one of the reasons for that is Michael Phelps. I know he smoked this, um, but I still like the guy. He's a stud in the water, And, and I might try to attempt being like Michael Phelps when nobody else is looking, and I swim. Um, um, But when the Olympics are going on and Michael Phelps gets on that podium and he's first place and they put that gold medal around him and all of a sudden the star-spangled banner is going and you hear it Michael Phelps is tearing up. Man, I'm telling you, you tear up. Say it, fellas, you tear up. You're like, I've got to go get something out of the food, out of the refrigerator. And you're like, that's pretty awesome. Um, There's just something and you're like, USA, yeah, you know, and you have this this pride about being from the United States of America. I went and bought an Under Armour shirt that says USA and it's got like the USA shield and I'm like, yeah, I'm wearing it around the world. I don't care because I'm from the USA and we just dominated in the Olympics. There's just this national pride, right? And then we go into an election year and we're like, USA, Really, this is the best we got to offer <laughs> out of the U.S. of A. And, 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 and We kinda lose reality of the view of the blessing we have to live in this country. This isn't in the Bible, this is my opinion, but traveling quite a bit around the world, I have to tell you, I truly believe with all my heart, this is the greatest country in all the world. And we are so privileged and blessed to live here. And as I started processing and started looking for good things about the United States of America, what, what are just a list of great things about the U.S. of A? You know, I, I started looking and I came across a list from immigrants that just started coming to the United States that have gone through the process and things that they looked at the United States and was like, this is awesome. So I wanna read some of those before we get into the area of politics about some of the best things from immigrants about the USA. The first one was this, I love this, free public restrooms and how every establishment has air conditioning. Right, I am thankful for air conditioning and public restrooms, clean streets. One of them said, good luck finding a trash can in Pakistan. Um, They're just not there. You know, uh, a person said fireflies. I honestly thought they were mythical like fairies until I saw one for the first time in Virginia. Like, I'd be like, yeah, fireflies, we got fireflies. Um, This is the one for me. This is the thing I miss whenever I'm gone. Showers and running hot water. Um, I was born in the Philippines, not having to fill buckets with water and boiling some over a stovetop was such a big surprise for me. Can I tell you, I'm a gargler in the shower, and being able to let water get in your mouth without you thinking it's going to cause diarrhea is awesome. Um, Because otherwise, you're just spitting the whole You know, you're just like, no, no. There's panic while you're in. There's like showers should be relaxing. This is a stressful moment. You're like, you know. Um (laughs) now for Tulsa, this is this is one you're gonna have to stick with me. They apparently this immigrant hadn't been to Tulsa. Buildings and bridges are so amazing, the infrastructure is good. I'm like, have you tried to get to downtown from Jinx? You can't do it. It's not humanly possible. They got 75 clothes. They got Riverside clothes. They got the BA down. I'm like, come on, let's do this in sections. Um, I'm running for office, by the way, in 2017. <laughs> Amazing. The infrastructure is good. It makes you think, wow, mankind did this. Um, on, a, on a serious note, one of them said people can speak openly about things, even when there are many disagreements. Another one said, the fact that no one was threatening to kill my family based off our religious beliefs. And then one that I think is very timely, space. Having separate houses with a backyard is a luxury that is only for the rich in the Netherlands. Some of you, you are starting to mow your backyard and you're like, Ugh. No, 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 you get to mow that back. You don't have to. You get to mow that backyard. Yeah, what a blessing. So next time your teenage boy goes out, you're like, no, son, you get to mow that backyard, buddy. This isn't a, this isn't a curse, it's a blessing. Um, you get to, and then the last one was this, freedom. The fact that you get to elect a president in Congress. You get to vote, and after a vote, even if there is a protest, the transfer of power is peaceful. We live in a great nation, Before we get into what the Bible says about politics and our role and our responsibility as followers of Christ, first thing I would tell you is this, Um, it's not in the Bible, it is my opinion, but there are so many brave men and women who gave their lives for you and I to have the right to vote. You need to exercise that right. It is your responsibility. Absolutely, make your opinion known, make your, make your values known, but you have the responsibility to at least show up and vote when people gave their lives to defend that responsibility, that, that right for you. Um, that is something that we should be doing as followers of Christ and as just responsible citizens. But beyond that, what is it that is our role? Today, if you showed up and you thought this was gonna be a sermon about, well, Jesus was a Republican or Jesus was a Democrat, no, 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 that's not gonna happen. When you walked in today, you were not escorted to the section like all the liberals on the left side. All the Tea Party movement is on the right side. And if you are a moderate Democrat or Republican, you're in the middle. Some of you want to change sections already. You're like, nope. Here's the deal. We we didn't do that. And and it's crazy to me how divisive politics are. Like I was talking to somebody after first service. He's like, my sister won't talk to me anymore. Just because of politics. Just because I don't agree. And I'm gonna, man, let's just chill out. Okay, let's just, that, it's in the Bible somewhere. Jesus said, chill out. I think it was be still and know that I'm God. Um, but 2017 version, chill out. Let's, let's, let's breathe a little bit and let's understand what our role is when it comes to politics. So today I wanna give you something to understand and two actions that we should be taking as followers of Christ. The first thing is this, what we need to understand, the truth, is you are called to be a city on a hill, not an elephant or donkey. You and I are called to be a city on a hill, not a Republican and not a Democrat. In Matthew chapter five, verse 13 through 16, it says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? How can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. He's talking to those that are following him. As followers of Christ, Jesus is saying this to us. The people that are under the steeple right now, this is us. You and I, we are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deed shine out for all to see. That means even in an election year, let your good deed shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father, you and I, Jesus is way more concerned about us being a city on a hill, shining our good deeds that it points to him than he is with us being a Republican or a Democrat or a liberal or a Tea Party person. He is way more concerned with us representing him than a party. And I will tell you this, we should be known more for whom we serve than whom we voted for. What, man, our lives should be known more for who we serve. Jesus Christ, Savior of our life, that transformed our life for eternity, more than who we voted for this past year. It, it's crazy when you start looking at politics, when you look back at 2016. I was like, everybody, calm down. We need like some ritalin or something. I mean, I was just like, come oh, on, let's take the sugar away from everybody. Something crazy is happening. I mean, people were hateful on Facebook. I mean, just ah, you know, if you said something, I mean, it's just so, it was a no-win situation. And here's the deal: when people looked at your social media activity, did they know more about who you voted for than who you serve? Because if so, we've gotten it backwards. Our lives aren't supposed to be about a bumper sticker, aren't supposed to be about a candidate. Yes, let your voice be heard. Yes, stand for something. Absolutely, that's not what this sermon is about. But in the process of all that, we're called to be a city on a hill more than we are to be an elephant or a donkey. And can I tell you, church, Churches the same way, especially with this week, with there being a, a new executive order that Trump passed, and um, that churches can endorse a, a candidate in, in pretty much all respects. Can I tell you? We have churches that have been split and divided and they're divisive in the, in the church. And we've had churches that are Democrat churches and we have some that are Republican churches and we have some that are crazy churches that are handling snakes. I gotta got tell you, I gotta tell you, that will never happen at Foundations Church. I'm going to tell you right now, we will never be a Republican church. We will never be a Democratic church. We will always be Jesus's church where we keep Jesus front and center and we keep him famous. No matter what your party background is, no matter what your upbringing is, you aren't just welcomed here, but you're welcome to belong. Even if you have a different opinion of us, what I can tell you is that we believe this, is that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and that will be always dead front and center for us as a church. And what I would tell you that kind of goes along with this is being a city on a hill and not getting caught up in it is that we've got to stop looking for a politician to fix what only Jesus can. we got, we got to stop. So many of us, we put so much hope in this president that he's going he's gonna to fix it. Can I tell you, George Washington couldn't fix humanity. Abraham Lincoln couldn't fix humanity. John F. Kennedy couldn't fix it. J- uh, FDR couldn't. Ronald Reagan couldn't even. I know, I know. Some of you are like, no, don't you talk about Reagan. Ronald Reagan could not fix humanity. Obama couldn't fix it. Trump can't fix it. The only person that is ever going to be able to restore humanity is Jesus Christ. And our role is to humble ourselves like the Bible says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will heal their land. We gotta stop looking for a president to fix what only Jesus Christ can fix. Last week I talked to you about a retaining wall at my house that fell and it looks like this. Um, This is my retaining wall after last week, all the rains that came in. Now most of you that have been coming for a while, you know I am not equipped to fix that. (laughs) And it's not because I don't have machinery, it's not because like, like there's something wrong or like, no, I know it's just blocks. I don't have any right fixing a bunch of blocks. And so when this happened, we're sitting down on Saturday night at our house and all of a sudden this wall just caboose and water shoosh. And Casey goes, our wall fell. And I'm like, what? Our wall fell. And see how mine was so much more manly than hers? Um, It may have been reversed. Our wall fell. Um, And I run out and I'm like, she's like, what do we do? I'm like, We call Ben. (laughs) Who's Ben? Ben Slick is our builder. He goes to church, he was in here in first service. I call Ben and the thing I love about our builder is that he answered my call late on a Saturday night. Not just because I'm his buddy or his pastor, but because he built our house. I'm like, Ben, our wall fell. What do you mean your wall fell? I mean our retaining wall fell. He's like, what? I go, what do I do? He goes, stay away from the wall graves. He goes. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you should do. Stay away from it, and I'll be out tomorrow. That's what I. This didn't go as like as like planned. But what I love about Ben, if you're ever thinking about building a house, is a shameless shameless plug for Ben Slick. Man, he does a great job just following up afterwards, and I love that about it. And I didn't know what to do, but the great thing is Ben Slick knew what to do, and he's already out there doing it, and the wall will be built, and it's going to be huge. Uh, I would say Mexico is going to pay for it, but they're not. I am. <laughs> I tell you, we, we put so much hope in somebody that's not equipped to fix Humanity. We put so much, oh, they can, they and when our party doesn't win, it's like Ichabod all over the United States. How could the United States do, I have one friend that's like, how could you ever vote in Trump and be a follower of Christ? And I've seen it the other way. The last eight years, some of us have been like, how could you vote for Obama and his policies and love Jesus? You can't. <laughs> listen, listen to this. First Timothy chapter two, verse five, but there's one God. And one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man, Christ Jesus. Your president, even as much as he would want to, is never going to be able to reconcile humanity and God. They're not going to be able to fix every drug addict. They're not gonna be able to get rid of the drug dealers. They're not gonna be able to handle all the terrorists. They're not gonna be able to heal this world, but what I can tell you is that Jesus Christ can, and if we will just humble ourselves and pray and turn from our ways and seek his face, his word says he'll heal our land, and that turns into our first action that you and I, as followers of Christ, when it comes to the area of politics, are responsible for and it's simply this, is that we're called to be fruitful, respectful, and prayerful fruitful, respectful, and prayerful. Most of us have heard of the Apostle Paul and the book that he wrote, the letters he wrote to Timothy, which are called pastoral epistles. And he writes these books To Timothy, these these letters to instruct him on how to lead the church and how to be a spiritual leader. And in the process of 1 Timothy, it helps us to understand what's going on in Paul and Timothy's world. Um, When when the book is written, it's late AD 64, most historians believe late AD 64 or early AD 65. Stick with me. This is a quick lesson in history, but it's Justin's history, so it won't be too boring. Um, Late AD 64, early AD 65. The problem is, during this time, there's a crazy man that is the emperor of the Roman Empire named Nero. Now, some of you may have heard of Nero. Some of you may know him. Nero does not like Christianity. He does not like people that are following. They weren't even called Christians at that time. It was called people of the way. kind of sounds cultish, but that's what it was called, the way, and and didn't become Christians until way later, later down the road. And all of a sudden, Nero sees an opportunity. In AD 64, half of Rome burned down. The cause is still not quite sure. But what Nero does, most historians believe Nero caused the fire, but what Nero does is capitalize on a moment, and he blames all of Christians, all the Christians worldwide, and it opens the door for him to persecute the Christians even more. And so Christians' rights aren't just taken away. Their privileges aren't just taken away, but they are butchered in public. They are beheaded. They are fed to wild animals and persecution is going rampant right now in the church and in the world where Paul and Timothy are. And out of this context, we come up to first Timothy chapter two. He's addressing the world that they know. Nero is trying to wipe Christianity off the globe and out of the Roman empire, which is the world as they know it. And he, he says this to Timothy. He says, I urge you first of all to pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. Paul says, pray for all people, not just the people you like, but pray for all people. Pray for kings and those in authority. He even said this, intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. What's your life full of? Is it full of prayer? Is it full of thanks? is it full of being fruitful even though you don't like the person that got elected or is it full of hate are you just being hateful are you being divisive are you are you being degrading Because if we're not careful, we get caught up in the politics and we get all worked up and we get all worked up and we forget what our role as a follower of Christ is really to be. And even when the person doesn't get elected that we voted for, we're not called to go out and throw fits. Everybody's still smiling? We're good? Yeah. We're called to be prayerful people, to pray for people. You've got to pray for people that don't vote the same way you vote for. Oh, I don't know if I can do that, Justin. Justin, I just don't know if I can pray for stupid people. Ah, it hurts. No, no, no. Paul instructs us, pray. You have to understand the con, he's saying pray for the person that's trying to wipe this whole movement, this whole belief in Jesus Christ. Pray for him. Be be fruitful where you are. And can I tell you, man, if if you and I, if we prayed as much as we criticized, our country would be changed and your attitude would be as well. If If we praised as much as we criticized, our country would be changed and even bigger, your attitude would be as well. It says this in Philippians chapter two, verse 14 through 15. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Everything without complaining and arguing. That means in an election year, do everything without complaining and arguing. Do those dishes without complaining and arguing. Yes, God. Um, So that no one can criticize you. And he's not talking about them as an individual as much as he's talking about them as the church, as followers of Christ so that no one could criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Man, the church should be shining when all of it's going just crazy. We should be shining as lights and saying, man, there's something different. We're still being fruitful, we're still being respectful, and we're still being prayerful. Says this in 1 Thessalonians 5 16 through 18. Always be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful in all circumstances. Some of us are like, Well, I just don't like the direction that's headed. When you, and and let, me, let me tell you, man, if you look back at Daniel, and I've got to make this point really quick. If you look back at Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, can I tell you, Daniel was kidnapped? He was his country was destroyed. He was taken to the Babylonian Empire by King Nebuchadnezzar, that we're gonna call Nebi. Um Nebi kidnaps Daniel, changes his name to Belshazzar, makes him learn a new language, learn a new culture. He's got to obey new rules. And all of a sudden Nebi's into worshiping other gods. And it's not just Nebi that Daniel serves under. Then there's Darius the king and Cyrus, the, the Persian king, because they come in and conquer the Babylonian empire halfway through Daniel's time in the Babylonian empire. And now it's a Persian empire. And if you look at Daniel's life, it says this in Daniel 6, 28. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius. In the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. He thrived wherever he was. It, it wasn't that he liked, he didn't like all the executive orders, he didn't like what was coming, but you know what he did do? He saw where he was, he didn't like where he was, but he was fruitful and he thrived where God had him at. And can I tell you, Hebrews chapter 13 says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we truly got... Trust that God is sovereign. We can trust his timing. At a time, he took the Babylonian Empire and took power away from them and gave it to the Persian Empire. God was in control of it all. He can change king's hearts. He can change senator's hearts. He can change governor's hearts. He can change president's hearts. If we will just be the people like Daniel where we are prayerful, where we are respectful, and where we're fruitful at, That's who God has called us to be. The last thing I would say is this, is that our job is to love God and to love others. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39 says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. First John chapter four, verse seven through 12 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Love God and love others. I close with this. So many times in following Christ and just living life, we can get bogged down with the minor things of life, really, if you think about it. When's the last time you asked God, hey, God, thank you for my health. Thank you for the ability to walk. Thank you for the ability to digest food. Thank you for, because... It's the minor things. Well, God, I, I need $100 a $100 day raise. I need, I need this. I need that. I need this. Thank you for my kids being. just. We, we get away from the main things, and it's the same thing in our walk with Christ. We get away from the main things, and the main thing, the thing that Jesus said, man, if you want to know what the greatest thing you can do, as a follower of me, Jesus said, is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love him. man passionately but also intelligently love them and in the process of that love others what's amazing is jesus knew what his ministry was going to draw in. he was going to draw in outsiders it was going to draw in samaritans it was going to draw in gentiles it wasn't just about jews loving jews it was about hey jews start loving the samaritan hey jews start loving the gentiles even though they have a different belief system, even though ritually you view, view them as unclean and not as equals, love them. And Jesus is saying this, man, if we're really, First John says this, John, the, the, the disciple that Jesus loves says, man, if you don't love others, you don't love him. You can't love God and not love people. If you love God, it equals loving people. And we go back to our text in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Pray for all people. Thank him for them. And our job is to love one another. When it's election time, it's easy to preach right now because we're not in election, right? When it comes around to election year, we're called to love one another even though there's going to be differences. We're called to love him and love others because when we love others, Man, there's change that can happen in others. So let's make sure this, as we're going through and we're addressing an elephant in the room. Man, it may be your relatives, it may be your employers, it may be your friends, it may be your spouse. I know there are Republicans and Democrats married together. That has got to be so entertaining because which news channel are you gonna watch, CNN or Fox? But in the process of it all, love be fruitful, be respectful, be prayerful. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. And God, I ask right now that you would speak to our hearts, our lives, that God, in this whole process of things, that God, we wouldn't trust in a politician more than we trust in you. God, I I pray that, man, in you we would put our hope. In Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is shifting sand. And Lord, I pray that we would evaluate how we've been conducting ourselves. How have we been operating in this area of our life? Lord, whether it's in conversation, whether it's on social media, whether it's just the way we've been going around business, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would shine like cities on a hill, that we would be more consumed about representing you, of shining and being a representative of you more than we are passionate about the person we're voting for. God, that we would make you known to those that we're around. And Lord, I pray that whether this is the president we elected or not, that we would be prayerful people over our authorities. That God, our role is to pray more than we criticize. God, our, our, our role is to be respectful instead of disrespectful. And our job is to be fruitful where we find, we may feel like Daniel right now, but Lord, I pray that we would thrive where we're planted. We thrive where we are. God, Jesus, that we thrive in our own Babylon. Lord, that you would help us to thrive where we are and not just complain, but Lord, we would do everything without complaining and arguing. God, Jesus, that you would allow us to be thankful in all circumstances, to not worry about anything and to pray about everything. Lord, I pray that we would live out 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 as we go through this life. It's in Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today, you say, Justin, I'm here you know what? I don't know Jesus Christ. The big elephant in the room today for you is you don't know who Jesus Christ is. Maybe you know who he is, but you don't have a personal relationship with him. Maybe you've never made that decision and you need to make a first time decision to make him the Lord and savior of your life. We want to give you that chance. Maybe your elephant is, you know what? You know you're not where you're supposed to be. Other people know you're not where you're supposed to be. And you're here and you say, Justin, I need to recommit my life to him. I need to get things right with Jesus Christ and you need to recommit your life. That's the elephant and you're afraid to address it because you don't know what's going to happen. Can I tell you, Jesus is just waiting on you and he's welcoming you home. And when I count to three, if that's you, all I want you to do is raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, there's one, there's two. I see your hand. There's three. Is there anyone else? You join these three hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. You say, Justin, that's me. That's me, man. I, I just need a change. I know what's not right and I need a change to occur and happen in my life. Is there anyone else? You join these three hands that are lifted before we go any further. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I just confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up. But I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these three individuals that raised their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah. What an awesome moment. Hey, if you raise your hand, do this for us, and we mean this. Take the time to text the word.